Luke chapter 10. We're looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And um, you can open up there uh, if you haven't already. Um, and we'll read through it in a moment. But I wonder, have you ever um, seen someone who, well, I don't, I don't know if you've ever had anyone in your life that you didn't like. Um, <laughs> or, or someone maybe in your life who you knew didn't like you. You know, and maybe, you know, a great example of this is when you're at school, right? Because I know that we're all far more mature than that now and uh, these things don't happen as adults, but maybe some of us who are in school still might, might experience this. Um, but you're, you're at school and um, the person, whoever it was, who, who, who you, didn't, you don't really like them, they don't really like you, you've got a bit of a beef with each other, they're getting praised for something that they've done. You know, and the teacher might be giving them an, an award, like student of the week, you know. We'll call them Johnny. Johnny's student of the week. But you and Johnny, you don't like each other, you know. And, there's, and, and these things happen. I remember this sorts, these sorts of things would happen to me and I'd grumble. You know, why is he getting, getting an award? You know, they don't know what he said to me last week, you know. And this sort of thing goes on. Um, you know, do you remember feeling that at all? Have you ever felt that before? Why did why, they don't deserve that? You know, you don't know what they've done, and um, deep down, there's just this sense of like injustice there. You know, there's this sense of like, how, how can you say this about that person? You know, well, I think that when we come through the come to the parable of the good Samaritan, this is exactly how Jesus here has felt. You know, what some Samaritan? You can't say good Samaritan. Those two words don't go together. You know, you don't know how they treat us. And we don't like each other. What are you saying, Jesus? You know, and so there's this, it was like devastating, right? And I really want to paint that picture for us because it gives us a, a great sense of what Jesus is trying to say, okay? And so keep that in your mind. That's just like a little, little, little deposit there for you to hold on to. Keep that in your mind, right? Today, as we move through the parable of the Good Samaritan, I think this is where Jesus' listeners were at when they heard him talk about the Good Samaritan. Very likely left a confusing feeling in their minds, in their hearts, a bad taste in their mouth, wondering what the meaning of it all is. And um, I'm sure as Jesus moved on from that teaching, some of them were still confused, <laughs> you know, particularly the guy who asked the question. He's probably regretting he asked that question that day. Okay, so I just want you to feel the impact of that. So let's, let's jump right in, Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25, because there's a little bit that prefaces that, that parable, and it kind of sets us up for the parable. He says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, right? So he's an expert in the law. He literally is a lawyer in the Jewish culture, <clears throat> and um, that means that he's an expert in the first five books of the Bible, and he's pretty good at telling Jewish people how they should live, Right? This, he's made a career out of that. That's what it meant to be a lawyer in that day. And um, he's been sitting down listening to Jesus teach. And, uh, and he gets up and he asks him a question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's like, it's a pretty big, big question to ask. And Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? He's kind of saying, you're the expert. How do you read it? And he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. He's like, hey, if you can do that, you're doing pretty good, man. Love God with your whole self and love your neighbor as, as yourself. And it wasn't surprising to anyone that the lawyer chose the first one, right? Deuteronomy 6, 5 was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind and strength, right? The, this thing wasn't, um, it, it was kind of like a, uh, a prayer that, you know, devout Jews would pray every day, right? So it wasn't, everyone's sort of nodding along at that point. Oh, we knew he'd say that. Good job. It's like the trump card. It's like the Sunday school answer, you know? Um, the, the second part about loving your neighbor, most people who, who sort of knew anything about Leviticus were like, oh, yeah, remember that, Leviticus 19? Yep, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, we, we, we kind of get that. In fact, even for us as Christians, we read these verses and we, and we kind of nod along with it. Yeah, love God and love others, right? You ask any church, um, you know, where does their vision come from for their mission? You know, a lot of them will start with, well, we're a church who loves God and loves others. You know, it's like that simple answer. What does it mean to fulfill the Bible? Um, you know, and everything that the Bible teaches, love God and love others, right? So, the crowd at this point, they're nodding along. But the lawyer, it says the lawyer wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus another question, and who is my neighbour? Right, and this is like the real question, almost like this is the point he was trying to get at. In the message version, it says, looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define my neighbour? You know, <laughs> you know, just... You know, the lawyer's got the right answers all sorted. You know, he, he's, he, he knows the Scriptures very well, got his memory verses down pat, but it's the application of the right answers that are important, isn't it? And this might be the difference between religion and relationship with Jesus and actual um, living out your faith. It's the application of what you know. It's, do, you know, you might say you believe in this, this and this, but actually living that out day-to-day journey with with real people, that's, that's the difficult part. And so he's really trying to ask, well, you know, how well do I have to live this out? Just who exactly are you asking me to love? Who are you asking me to treat the way I like to be treated? Who are you asking me to extend kindness and love and hospitality to? And the word neighbour here has a far broader context than the person next door, right? But for many in Jesus' day, right, the Jews in Jesus' day, they pretty much assumed, you know, oh, well, my neighbour is anyone in the Jewish community. You know, the people who live in my town, the people who are like me, eat like me, look like me, dress like me, um, you know, do everything the way that I do, you know, and that's the people who are, who are my neighbours, Right? We know the word neighbour means much more than the person next door, but he's saying how, how much more than the person next door is really what he's asking. And this is where Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan enters in. In reply, Jesus tells him a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Let's just sit on that for a minute. That's, that's a pretty violent act of, um, of, of crime, if you like. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's 27 uh, kilometres long or 17 miles for Steph and Dave, if you're wondering. Um, and and the, the road actually just, it's all descent, about a thousand metres of descent down in that distance, okay? So, 
very rocky, very treacherous, uh, very difficult place to be travelling and, um, and great place for some bandits to hang out, you know, some, some bad dudes would love to hang out there. It would be easy for them to take advantage of someone while they're not easily able to run away. Um, and the man, we're told, he's been beaten up and, and it's really highlighting how badly this is. Um, this has happened, you know, he's, he's half dead. And a priest, it says in verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. Thank goodness a priest is there, right? That's sort of what everyone automatically thinks. Oh, good. Surely the priest will help him out. But no, it says when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side, right? And to cut him some slack, I want to cut the priest a little bit of slack here. Not too much, but a little bit. There's every chance that he thought the man was completely dead, Right, you can imagine walking down the side of the road and there's someone lying there. It reminds me of when um, actually Jade and I were, we were in, uh, where were we? We are in LA, somewhere on one of those beaches, I think Venice Beach maybe. And there's lots of homeless people lying about. But this guy, we walked past, he was just face down in the sand, not moving. And we were just like freaked out by it, you know what I mean? And, I, and we assumed he was sleeping, but it didn't, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. He wasn't beaten up or anything, but we kept walking because it was like, I don't know if we should do anything here. He's, he's, maybe that's just how he sleeps or whatever, right? And so to cut him some slack, there's every chance he thought that. He was just like, oh, you know, I don't know. He, he, but, you know, maybe he's like, I, I, better, I better not. And, and then there's also, he's a priest. So if he touches a dead body, he's ceremonially unclean therefore not able to carry out his, his religion and his practices in the temple or wherever he was headed to, to be a, be a priest and do what priests do. So maybe with some disappointment, everyone listening in, all the Jews are kind of like, oh, it's disappointing you couldn't help him, but we kind of get it. He's a priest. That's the way priests are, right? So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, and the Levites were like the lay ministers, right, carrying out all the practical side of things, Right? They were designated to, um, you know, to, to help out with the menial things in the, in the temple. Surely he'll stop to help. He's bit, maybe a bit more practical-minded. I better just check if there's a pulse, you know. <laughs> no, nah, same deal. Doesn't want to be ceremonially unclean. Um, you know, if, if I was to intervene here, you know, the, the robbers might not be far away. Just going to keep moving. Better not get involved. And at this point, I think the crowd listening in feel like they know where this is heading, right? All, all the people listening into Jesus' teaching, they're kind of going, Jesus is about to say the next person walking down the road is actually maybe one of the common Jewish people, you know, maybe a tradesperson or a fisherman, you know, that, that, that Jesus might highlight the strength and of, of a humble Jewish community leader, you know, who just, who just gets in there and helps out his neighbour, you know, maybe that's going to be the, the, the story. Everyone's thinking along those lines. Maybe there'll be this humble character who's embodied what it means to love their neighbour. Some of them could have been thinking, maybe this parable is going to be about, you know, um, how religious people don't always get it right, you know. And, and uh, maybe it's, it's going to boil down to, you know, fulfilling the law isn't about ceremony. And maybe there's a little bit of that in there. But no one... I don't think any one of Jesus' listeners, not a single person expected him to say who he said next, right? The exemplar neighbour they weren't expecting was the person who they'd least expect to be a loving neighbour, 
right? A Samaritan was not a loving neighbor if you're a Jewish person and vice versa, I should say. But Jesus says, a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And even at that point, you could imagine them going, oh, Jesus is going to roll this Samaritan through the dirt. What's he going to do to the beat up guy? You know, how's he going to make it worse? And when he saw him, he took pity on him. I think it's very difficult for us to understand what that would have sounded like, but everyone's just spilt their tea and bickies everywhere. People are falling off their chair. You know, people are getting up and leaving. Like, I'm done with this guy. Samaritan, you've got to be joking. You know, if you're yeah, flipping tables, everything's going on. If you, don't, if you don't know, there's this bitterness that's present, right? To the Jews in Jesus' day, a Samaritan is a spiritual and physical half-breed, right? That's the way they viewed them. They were the result of intermarrying that occurred when the northern um, kingdom of Israel was uh, exiled and the Assyrians sent some Gentiles back into the land and, and those who were left over, um, they intermarried and, and now they're half-breeds and they don't really get it is the way the Jews viewed them, right? Not only this, but there's long-standing debate over where the proper place to worship God is, right? For the Jews, it was Mount Zion and Jerusalem and the temple, Right there, that's, that's where the Jewish people thought they should worship God. But the Samaritans said, no, Mount Gerizim, or Gerizim, I don't know how, how you say it, Gerizim, I'm going with that. They even built their own temple there in 400 BC, right? The Samaritans said, no, this is the place, we're going to build our own temple here. And in 128 BC, guess who tore it down? The Jewish people did, right? So there's this long-standing debate long-standing uh, warring and, and terrible things going on. And so you get to Jesus' day, and if you're a Jewish person traveling through a Samaritan village to go to the temple in Jerusalem, particularly to worship, um, you know, you would be just basically rejected of any hospitality, right? A Samaritan would never open up their home to you. It, you, you might need some food. You might need a place to say, no, nah, it's not happening, Right, sorry, you're you're a Jewish person and, and if you're going up to that temple, you're going the wrong way. You know, it's not I'm not helping you out. This was the this was the context. This is why everyone's fallen over, sp- spilling their tea and bickies and all of that. <laughs> right, I like that saying, it's funny. Um, not only this, right, but um Yeah, so so sorry, in, in keeping all of this in mind, this is the person that Jesus puts up as an exemplar neighbour, the person to follow suit with. This is the description of how the Samaritan shows all kinds of hospitality as, as we read on. This is outlandish to the Jewish hearers, right? It says in verse 34, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, right? Well accepted as good for disinfectant, good for healing properties, then he put the man on his own donkey, right? Samaritan's happy to walk. I'll put him on my donkey. I'm happy to walk. He brought him to an inn and took care of him, right? This is, the idea is that he made sure he was as comfortable as possible. You know, he hung around. He didn't just sort of drop him at the door with a few dollars. He hung around. He set up the room. He made sure that, you know, he had everything that he needed, made some, made some tea and some food or whatever, The next day, so he stayed the night caring for this guy. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. 
right? So does anyone know how much a denarii is worth? A denarii, however you want to say it. Any guesses? Yes, a day's wage. One is a day's wage, so two days' wages. He, uh, he, gets, he, he takes it out and he gives it to the innkeeper, right? So scholars say maybe a month's worth of lodging at the inn, maybe two months even at the inn, he's secured for him. That's a, that's a, he's putting him up for a couple of months at the inn and he tells the innkeeper, hey, care for him and I'm, I'm going on a journey, but when I get back, you know, I'll pay whatever else there is left to pay, right? That's, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. I'll pay the gap. If this isn't enough, I'll pay the gap. You just make sure you look after him, right? Probably the innkeeper might be thinking, gee, this, this guy who's been beaten up, you know, maybe he's a family member. Maybe he's a dear friend that this guy would treat him so well. And Jesus says to the lawyer, who's sort of very uncomfortable and sweating maybe right now, he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. I reckon he might have said it like this, the one who had mercy on him, like this. <laughs> you know, he didn't really want to say it, didn't even want to say the Samaritan. He said, oh, it, was the, it was the one who had mercy on him, whatever. Yep. <laughs> you know, it was like that. And Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. Go and be like a Samaritan. <laughs> It's like insulting words to say that. Jesus never answers the lawyer's original question, who is my neighbour? He never tells him directly, does he? But what he implies by the parable is like this answer that exceeds giving an answer, right? What Jesus is saying to this story is that loving your neighbour as yourself goes far beyond the people you're comfortable with. Loving your neighbour is about being willing to extend love to the people you'd normally try and avoid, to the people who are not like you. In fact, when we think about the way this parable is highlighting what the kingdom of God is like and what the, and what the gospel means for us and what Jesus has done for us, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is a place where people who are normally filled with hate for one another are actually able to find compassion in their hearts for the person they don't like. And, and I think that's the point at which you can start to love your enemies. You know, when you can find compassion to see them, maybe in a way that you know you, you, you truly are deep down as well, you know. Jesus is saying that his coming to the world, his life, his ministry, his death on the cross, his resurrection, the resulting kingdom of God, everything that his coming to earth is inaugurating, Right? Everything that heaven's going to be like, he's setting in place a new way to live. Right? And the new way opens the door for us to a new way of viewing our enemies. Right? A new way of living um, you know, that quietens our disdain for people who, who are different to us, who we know are against us. In fact, the new way of living that Jesus teaches might actually show us finding compassion for people even when we know they don't agree with us. at the point at which we see our enemy and then are able to find some compassion for them, that's the point at which I think, you know, we're aligning ourselves with God's heart. 
You know, to be able to see the people who you know just absolutely hate you, who have wronged you, who, who avoid you, and you just think, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why that is. And you can see them and you're just filled with compassion for them. Yeah, that's my prayer for us, that that would happen to us, that we go, I don't understand it. It shouldn't be. It's not the way the kingdom of God is. It's not why Jesus died on the cross, that we would, that we would experience hate between one person who's created by God and another person who's created by God. Um, it's not necessarily about whether they agree or disagree with you. Or um, <laughs> I think I think the the thing that's broken is is not whether you you know they're they're wrong or whether we're wrong. The thing that's broken is that love isn't able to occur because of because of the hate that's that's present. <laughs> God designed us to love one another and, and to care for one another in real relationships, right? And if I'm not doing all I can to make amends and to live at peace and to display, you know, compassion to people, no matter who they are, then there's something wrong. I think that's what this parable is about, right? That's what the parable is about. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5? In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. That was a very popular, strict view of the Pharisees. You know, the real strict Pharisees, religious leaders, they'd say, hey, love your neighbour, but hate your enemy. And that way it'll really clearly show who you love, right? But Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Everyone's falling off their seat again, (laughs) you know, (laughs) food flying everywhere that you may be children of your Father in heaven. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? This is pretty heavy going stuff, but I wonder, do we have an enemy? You know, do you have people that you disagree with? Do you have any hate in your heart towards someone else? We could soften the question, where is there ongoing conflict between you and another person? Maybe some people that you can't stand to be around. Are there certain types of people who make you feel uncomfortable? You could put those people, maybe their name or that group of people, you could put them in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good whoever it is. <laughs> I think it's a, a big problem we have as well is it's real easy to shut people out today. You, you're not obliged to invite anyone over to your place. You know, it's real easy to just, um, you know, uh, have you ever, I'm, I've been on Facebook for a while, but I've been guilty of doing this, is you, you friend someone or someone asks to be your friend, you friend them and then you just like, in the background, block them out, right? So they see all your stuff, but you don't really see any of their stuff. You know, it's like, it's like you don't have to see, you don't have to see whatever you want, you know? You can just, you just shape your life the way you want it to be and what's comfortable, right? And Jesus is saying, that's not really the way to go. It's not really how it works. You're not really supposed to stay in your bubble as a Christian. You're supposed to mix with people who are different to us. doesn't help us if we live that way where we just 
create this life that's comfortable, it doesn't help us to deal with the hate that, that might be in our hearts, right? Because when you rub up against other people that are different to you and have different views, then you, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, that made me feel a bit angry, <laughs> you know? I didn't like the way they did that. I don't like the way they say this or that, right? I think there's an invitation here. If there's someone you know or some group that you, you have in your mind that is like an enemy to you, I think um, the invitation is to start praying for them, right? Even if you just got to write it out in your journal or, or, or print out their name or something, start praying for them. Start bringing them before God and ask God to help you find compassion for them in the same way that he would have compassion for them. He does have compassion for them. You know, it, just, it might just be to start small. I'm not saying you've got to go out and shout them a night at, at a fancy hotel or whatever it is, but, but, you know, start small. Maybe it's just, hey, I'm going to actually go and greet them at work or whatever it is. It's not an easy thing to do. And, I, and maybe some of us are wondering, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if that's possible for anyone. You know, the world's pretty messed up, and the way I see it is people are just doing their own thing. But how is this possible? And I think this is where we get to look to Jesus, right? He's the one who makes it possible. He's the one, whenever he asks us to do something, he's already done it, and he's already made it possible for us to, to live in him, right? That's what grace is. He makes it possible. And so while, while it wasn't the point Jesus was making, there's a thought that, if, that Jesus might be the good Samaritan, Right, and I want us to just go there a little bit in our minds. Jesus might be the good Samaritan here. We might never be able to be like the good Samaritan, but Jesus is. He's able to. And, and I think if we can look to him in that as an example, we can ask him to give us the grace to be like him. Right? This is his promise to us. You'll be like me. You'll become like me. It's this idea that we're unable to help ourselves. Right, like the beaten up Jewish man, unable to help ourselves. Maybe a bit beaten, broken by the world. Maybe this is who our enemies are as well. Right? And Jesus comes along and he provides healing, picks us up and carries us, puts us in a place where we can be restored, pays for our salvation. Right? In a in a very real sense. If the Samaritan didn't pick the man up, take him to the inn, pay for him to be in the inn, he was probably gonna die. You know, wouldn't have been long. Pays for our salvation and he'll be back to ensure we're restored as well, completely at our own cost. That idea, Jesus is going to come back and just finish this thing that he started, right? Jesus is the good Samaritan. He's the one who makes it possible. You know, I was thinking about this idea that, um, you know, maybe we were enemies, you know? The, the idea that we could be enemies of others and the idea that, once we were enemies of God, we were enemies of Christ, right? And it says in Romans 5, maybe you're thinking of that verse. Romans 5, um, verse 10, it says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Right? We, we were enemies, right? It says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Right? Opposed to who God is, Christ died for us. Right? He gave up his life for us, gave up his time, gave up you know, the cost for us. And so I think this could be a good starting point for us as well. If we're just like, there's no way I could possibly love that person. 
Be reminded, God loved you and you're an enemy of him. So I wonder, who's the person you're going to be praying for? Who's the person that's frustrating you, who's annoying you? Who, who are the people that, that you feel uncomfortable towards, uncomfortable to be around? This is not, um, you know, something that is part of the kingdom of God. And we need to pray it out of our life in a sense, right? Pray for that person and say, God, give me compassion for these people. It might be a family member, right? Sometimes our family members can just be really good at annoying us. And there could be a lot of conflict. It could be a friend, could be a, could be a work colleague, whoever it is for you. I, I want to challenge you to pray for them every day. Pray for them every day until God puts compassion in your heart for them, and until he helps you to see that you are just like that person, an enemy, once upon a time. That's the end. We're going to pray. Um, I'm going to invite the team up to lead us in another song. And, um, you know, I want to pray with you on this journey. And if you want to maybe respond by writing on a Connect card, please pray for, um, pray for me about reconciliation or whatever's come to mind. That's a great way for me to be praying with you. Otherwise, I want to pray for you in person. Um, otherwise, let's uh, respond now in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you showed us a different way to live. You showed us a new way to live. You showed us a way that is um, just radically different to the way culture tells us to live. You know, we're told to be um, our, our own self and to be different and to not mix or anything like that, God. And we just pray that you'd help us as a church to be, to be open to all people. There wouldn't be anyone who at the mention of their name there's disdain in our hearts. That I pray that that wouldn't be true. I pray that you'd help us to find compassion even for the people who've hurt us in our past, even for the people who right now don't like us. I pray that you'd help us to just have compassion, that compassion would pour out over us as a church, that it would change the way that we love others, that it would um, show uh, other people in our life the way that we can be uh, a neighbour in the way that you've asked us to be that this would be an expression of our love for you. So God, help us to be reminded of these people. Help us to um, be praying until compassion enters our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.